This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. The busy Christmas period is over and Manchester City have taken two comfortable victories in the last week as Pep Guardiola's team get the 2020s off to a winning start. But there's no rest for the wicked as the busy Christmas period becomes a busy January and the nitty-gritty of a game every three days gets underway. And for this week's Blue Moon podcast, attention is turning to City's defence of the two domestic cups. First up, Port Vale visit the Etihad on Saturday before Guardiola will take his side to Old Trafford for the first leg of the doubleheader against United in the League Cup semi-finals. Also on today's show, we'll be looking at the of Eric Garcia in the City defence and I'm afraid we're not going to be able to avoid our old friend VAR. Rob Wilson's back with a look at City's 2014-15 season in a series of reviews of the decade while we're taking a much closer look at Pep Guardiola's 100 Premier League wins as manager as he's become the fastest boss ever to reach that landmark. A packed show on a busy week means we should get on with it. I'm David Mooney and in the studio with me this week I've got two City fans in the shape of Paul Atherton. Good evening Mooney, you okay? Not too bad, thank you. And making her Blue Moon podcast debut, Katie Mullock. Hello. Hello, how are you? doing i'm good how are you excellent uh, i'm very well thank you um so yeah two two good wins sheffield united ha- and happy uh, new year miss oh yeah sorry happy new year sorry <laughs> I, f- I forgot about that a uh, little behind the curtain peak this isn't the first bit of the show we're recording so it feels like you know I, we've been in the studio for about an hour now already you mean we mix the show up we mix the show <laughs> up i know it's can you believe that um yeah so two good wins uh sheffield united and everton um katie perhaps not the most entertaining of games um but city look more more solid than they have done recently Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I felt like we looked, you know, we're back to being a bit more consistent because um, there's been a couple of obviously drops in form over the over the season. Um, even the last few weeks, like losing to United and then to Wolves. In between that, we had the win at Arsenal and against Leicester. So you know, it's been a bit hit and miss this season. But no, I, I thought you know, could have said the games are a little bit boring, but we got the win. That's the most important thing, really. There was a kind of a tactical switch he did in the in the Sheffield United game. He went to a back three and dropped Rodri into the into the back three and, and went with wing backs. And then he did it for the whole of the Everton game. And it's been like a revelation. Yeah, I don't know how he's not done it sooner. Um, he's, he's been yeah. Rod- Rodri's been fantastic um, stepping into that role. He's just been giving us a little bit more security that we've needed really at the back because we've had you know a bit leaky to say, bit the, leaky, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Yeah. He's obviously looked at it and just seen you know where. The channels in particular have been kind of getting hammered as well. I think because the pace, the pace of Fernandinho and, and Otamendi hasn't been great. I think um, it's not a coincidence. Cancelo had a quite a good game at the weekend. I think. I think he just had a complete free roll, and Mendy had to forget could forget about defending almost and just whip crosses in whenever he wanted to. So it, it has worked perfectly, really. And I think, yeah. So it's nice to see that he's actually looked at where we think we need to put people structurally. Come up with this obscure formation. And it has worked for two games now. Do you not remember when Mancini did it, Paul? And I, I spent nearly a season on the podcast going, I love a back three. I love a good back three with wing backs. And everyone was going, oh, it doesn't, but it, it leaves you exposed in the, these sorts of places. And, and I'm finally, finally, City have caught up with my with my forward thinking back in 2012. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you should consider management. I think with, uh, yeah, with Mancini, it was a bit more kind of. Um... Sort of a bit more I mean, he, structured, whereas he did Pep, have, he did have Kolarov bit... and Mike on, though. Yeah, yeah, true. That's, that's, good, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. But so you just had to give them complete license just to play up front, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, what What have you made of Eric Garcia um, since he's come in? I think he's been uh, he's been brilliant. Every time I, I watched him off the ball, and he, he just steps forward at the right time, plays the offside trap at the right time, and then he just reads the game. Like you could just he, the amount of passes he intercepted, where you just saw it coming. It's just kind of. Can't believe how young he is with the amount of experience he's playing in, and it's a it's a welcome sort of uh, change from seeing Otamendi, who kind of single handedly lost us both Wolf games, for, <laughs> for Eric Garcia to come in, who's not rash and doesn't make all these sort of uh, challenges. He's a bit more of an experienced type, uh, plays like an experienced sort of uh, player. Has he moved above Otamendi in the pecking order? Do you think, uh, Katie? I think I think so, yeah. Um, just because he's been really consistent every time he's played. Um, so I think you know if he you know he carries on, I do think he could find himself starting uh, quite a lot for City. Don't get me wrong, I do like Otamendi. I think he's I think he's you know a good player and he's he's been good for us. Um, but I just think 
he's made too many defensive mistakes this season, um, and I think you know Garcia um, has proven he's worth really. There's been there's been a few concerns about his height and uh, and his kind of physicality, but you look at how he's played in, in in since he's come into the team, since he started two games, um, they must have gone now, surely. Yeah, I don't I don't really see a problem uh, with his height. Um, I, th- I think he's doing he's he's doing really well. You know, he's he's head he's winning headers. You know. He's making some great tackles. He's timing the tackles well as well. So he's not, you know, giving stupid fouls away. And I think he, he looks really comfortable. There's no no sign of him being nervous at all. I mean, kind of Arrow wasn't the biggest, was he? I know, I know he's a f- physical player, but, um, you know, you don't have to be tall to be centre-half. Mascherano was playing for years for for, for uh, Pep at centre-half. centre-half. So, um, no, I don't, I don't see it as an issue at all. I think it's just whether he's good enough and, you know, winning ahead of isn't always the thing. And often what you do is you have... A, a bigger defender to win the headers, don't you? Um, which Fernandinho isn't at the moment, but when Laporte comes back in, it'd be interesting to see how Garcia and Laporte play together. Because I mean, what, what do you think of Fernandinho's future when Laporte comes back in? He is back in training this week. Um, he won't he won't come back for a while, but you I know. think I think Fernandinho still get the odd, still still play certain games. I, I, I can't. It's, you know, Laporte's not going to come back and play every game to the end of the season. I don't think when he comes back, I think he'll still be kind of like transitioned in a little bit. Especially for how serious the injury was. Is Garcia likely to get less game time with that? I'm not sure. I think it depends a lot on where we sit in the league, really, and, and in terms of what we've got to play for. I mean, you've you've seen this season that Rodri's been a mainstay in centre mid over them this this new formation because I think he wants to persist with it in case Fernandinho does move on at the end of the season. I think he wants to rather than have another transition year. I think he wants to be transitioning transitioning now. So I think if we're um, a bit off the pace with Liverpool, we can't chase them. I think he'll want to see how Garcia and Laporte play, or Laporte and Stones again, or Laporte and sorry Stones and uh, Garcia would play together to know what he's actually got and what we need to go out and buy. So I think a lot of it depends on where we are in the league, um, and also you know you know, you might see Fernandinho coming in the, in the big games though, just to, as a sort of an experienced hand though. I feel just alongside. But I, I do. I do think. Let's see if Garcia. Let's see if Garcia plays another few games to make sure that we do think he is certainly above Otamendi in the pecking order. Yeah. I think if I think if that does prove to be the case, I can see him starting that Laporte partnership as soon as possible. Really. Well, unfortunately, we can't avoid the topic of VAR. Um, so, uh, Alan Bates, uh, your time is now again to uh, to to bring us another uh, rubbish VAR jingle. Here it is. V-A-R. Told you they'd be rubbish. Yeah. He's doing the harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's all his own work. Is he doing his own? Yeah, oh. I think it's all his own harmonies. Um, yeah, so uh, VAR time. Um, it's been a major player, Katie, in this week's games without having too much of an impact on the results unless you kind of take that Sheffield United goal that you know was rightly ruled offside out of the equation. Yeah, like, you know, I felt like Sheffield United were doing really well um, and, you know, they got that goal and it was offside. So that's what VAR Hard is for. <laughs> Um, we've had a lot of disallowed goals this season, so uh, it's nice to see it actually happening against us for once. You know, the, the one that that the Sheffield United players and, and bench were unhappy about was was City's opening goal, where um, the referee got in the way of of the play. Um, but the laws as they stand, VAR can't rule on that because it, it, the game should only be stopped if the ball touches the referee. And yeah, he did impede the Sheffield United player. I don't think there's any City fan out there would say he didn't impede the Sheffield United player. But the ball didn't touch him, so he can't he can't stop the game for it. No, I think yeah, I think it would have been harsh to be honest if they disallowed it because it, from the different angles we've seen it, it doesn't really touch him that much. Well, the ball, the ball doesn't touch him at all, and he's just so. like stood in front of the defender. So no, I think it would have been harsh if he disallowed it, and I feel like if that goal would have been the other way round and it would have been Sheffield United, then we would have been angry about it. We'd have been fuming, yeah. yeah. So I can I can see both sides really. Yeah, I, th- I think it's nothing to do with VAR. Is it? It's just one of the things where, where you know, if you're playing football, you kind of like you know, come on, ref, you've got you you got him away or impeding in some way. But that's that's football. People are in the way. Things are going to happen. That's just bad luck. And it just so happened to sit on De Bruyne when Aguero has already peeled off the defender. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't have kind of created a situation that was more beneficial for City. However, um, no, for me, that's just that's something that VAR shouldn't be able to rule on. 
Now, Paul, were you surprised on the um, on the game against Everton? Um, we've been told all season that the decisions uh, will be the fans will be told, and it'll say like VAR checking possible offside or whatever. Yeah. Um, but when the goal was disallowed against um, against Everton, the, the, the City opener. The still image was put up on the screen that showed the lines that showed that I think Cancelo was offside. Is that? Yeah. I mean, it, I've never seen that happen before. I don't think it's it's standard procedure. What do you make of that? It gets rid of a bit of the confusion because the fans feel like they're part of it. I think it might lead to games being influenced potentially. I certainly <laughs> felt as, as someone watching it. I certainly felt oh they've, they've trusted me to know what's going on. That's yeah. weird. I mean, it's, it's it's good that they tried it. I think um, I don't know how I, official, know how, I, I, I don't know how official it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how did you feel at the time when it was being shown? I was, I was, I, I was quite pleased to go. Actually, well, oh uh, yeah, he was offside. I knew I'd, I'd seen the image, and, I, and there was no denying it. He was offside. So we go, okay, we go again. I think it must. I mean, part of the frustration of VAR is that lag time and confusion of not knowing what's happening. So at least if you can see the same images, then it makes sense. I mean, on BT Sport, they were behind. They thought it was a goal, and it was like it wasn't that offside they were looking at. Sorry, this is for Ever- the Everton. Game. The Everton game. They were looking at. They're the... looking at the, the the first phase of the yeah. offside, and then you know Steve McManaman missed it, and I thought that's pretty obvious. So, I mean, stuff like that when it's offside, you, you don't mind, do you? It's, it's, that's something the linesman should have picked up. It's not like a, an armpit hair or something. That's just kind of the way. The, it's just clear offside. Yeah, uh, Katie, the, the the decisions that I thought were weird not to have been VAR, or at least if they were, were not to be overturned. Um, I was absolutely astounded that Phil Foden didn't get a penalty. I don't know how he didn't get... Look like That is one of the most stonewall penalties you'll see all season. I don't know how he didn't get given. But the the, the one that really annoyed me was the Calvert-Lewin tackle on Fernandinho. What was he doing? I don't know. That was a red card. I don't know how the refs give a yellow for that or how it's not even been referred to VAR to look, look at it, really. I thought it was a joke. The frustration with it is that if the referee had given a red card, it would automatically be checked by VAR because red cards are automatically yeah. checked by VAR, but yellow cards aren't. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous because it was it was a dangerous tackle. I don't know what he was doing. He was going. He wasn't even going for the ball. He was just looking at hurting someone. But if he'd have been sent off, it would have meant he misses the derby against Liverpool on Sunday in the cup. In the cup. Oh. So. You know, swings and roundabouts, swings I suppose, roundabouts, really. Yeah. But it was a naughty tackle, and I, su- I suppose if a City player did that, it'd be called every name under the sun, left, right and centre. Yeah. I mean, Paul, you you watched the game on BT Sport, you say? Yeah. Did Was was there any indication that those decisions were were checked? Because we, we, we weren't told anything in the stadium. Yeah, they, they, they did check that. Um, it, was, it should have been a clear red card, as far as I'm concerned. In terms of the um, the penalty shout... They said, BT had the monitor and they said it wasn't a penalty, but then and then they showed it a like very quick highlight and you think it looks like he gets the ball, but obviously the, the VAR specialist in the booth was looking at it. They didn't stop the play, did they? they? Just carried on. They would have had all sorts of angles and you can clearly see they didn't touch the ball. So it's this inconsistency. If you can have this 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 power, you need to implement it in the right way. I'm just a little bit interested in what the procedure would be because the ball didn't go out of play for two or three minutes no. afterwards. So like. Does the VAR then just check it while the game is going on and say to the referee, actually, you need to stop the game and go back to it? I think so, yeah. Or do they wait till it goes out and then the VAR starts checking it? I don't no, know. I, I think they were checking it as it was going on still, um, was my understanding. And then they just said, no, there's been there's no goal. Because what, no, what? No penalty. Even. No penalty. Because well, what brought me back to the, the other incident was the Mares potential penalty, yeah, where yeah. there was an incorrect offside in the build up. That VAR then ruled they might be able to give a penalty if it was a foul was because like the offside wasn't offside. But then it decided it wasn't a penalty, so we had to carry on with a free kick for offside that we knew wasn't offside. That yeah, because um, they, they tried to claim it was handball, didn't yeah. they? As well, I mean, that, was, my but... my head at that moment was that you know that exploding head emoji. That's yeah. kind of how I felt at that time. I just I had no idea what was going on. I just sometimes they they don't think they don't even know what the rules are. They just make them up on the spot. To be honest with you. <laughs> Um, I've noticed like when I've been in the stadium before because I sit in the family stand and I've got a season ticket there and we because um, I'm on the bottom table we actually can't see the screens so whenever oh, so you have no idea what's going so on so the Spurs game in the Champions League I didn't have a clue it said VAR check in progress because they don't actually tell you in the, they don't like there's no voice or anything in, like that go, comes over the, the sound system that says VAR check in progress like some grounds do have 
I didn't have a clue what was going on because I can't see the screen. That's funny because I can't hear the PA system from where I sit, but I can see the screens. So well, together we, we know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, it's it's. We used to have a, a screen round the other side, but when they did the the south stand up, they never moved it back. When they put the extension in, they did. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can't. You, you I never get to see uh, goals <laughs> or anything like that. I'm just. I have to wait till when I, when I get home. And How watch it, it on used the to be. How it used to be, Katie. For, for everyone who uh, used to go to used to go to Main Road. Um, moving away from VAR then, because we can't let it dominate yet another uh, podcast this season. Um, Claudio Bravo, Paul. Uh, a clean sheet and some good aerial work. I thought against Sheffield United came for a few crosses, punched it quite well, and and, and dealt with it well in the box. A great early save against Everton. Um, I think it was uh, the fullback Coleman, Coleman got yeah. in and, and he flicked it over the bar, but then it fell apart. It did, and it was when he was just doing well. <laughs> he, he, you know, he overplayed it, and then he got a bit cocky. And the Cruyff turn was really good. <laughs> he tried playing a through ball from his from the two yard line, <laughs> and then you, you know, Richarlison read it. You know where he was going to pass it straight away. It's just, it's just stupid, isn't it? But all I mean, that hard work. I mean, he was he was slowly rebuilding the confidence that the fans were having in him again, and then that happens. But I mean, as as good as as Edison is, and his distribution is obviously incredible. He does have the odd howler, such as sendings off, etc. And you but know, it is, bad passes. So you got to is, cut it, a bit is, is it a symptom of how City play though? I think it is. I mean, Pep would want him to take that sort of risk, but perhaps execute it accurately. And that I think that's what Pep's saying. Over the course of a season, it's not going to cost you and forever. And somehow it didn't cost us because we obviously we, we held on. So if you want to play a style of play, if he if he made that pass, there's about three or four Everton players committed forward, and that does start another attack. So I think that's one where Pep's just said, you know, you need to execute it better, don't get too overconfident. But you're doing exactly what I've told you to do. That's why Joe Hart was sold. So he can he's got a keeper that's going to take that risk and do it. It does make the end of the game a bit more nervy than it needs to be, though. It does because City were coasting by that stage. It does, but generally speaking, how how many sort of transitions? Because he's all about transitions isn't he pet not counter attacks how many transitions have been started by edison making a cutting edge quick pass through the middle of the part to fernandinho the fernandinho's had about 30 yards to progress the ball up and all of a sudden we're kind of like in the in the final third so um yeah it does make it edgy but you know that's what pep wants and that's what's been working for us the you last take, three years you kind of take the rough with the smooth don't you? um katie he as much as, as Bravo is much maligned at City, we talked about the defence being shaky this season. I actually felt that mistake aside, they look quite solid. Rodri, you know, Rodri's dropped in, Garcia's come in and, and, and kind of and been really confident in his position. And you've got two defensive midfielders and a centre-back and a rookie goal... Uh, and, your, and your backup goalkeeper. <laughs> rookie goalkeeper. I was going to say rookie goalkeeper, but he's, what, 36 in there. Chilly, 100 yeah. caps or whatever. Yeah, I know. I, I, I misspoke and I almost got away with it if it wasn't for you. <laughs> I've never really been a fan of Bravo, to be honest. I just... I don't think he's what we need. Yeah. Um, like, when, remember when he joined us and he made that tackle against United and he, like... Oh, it could have been sent yeah, off in his first, off, yeah, first game. Like ever since then, he just make he just makes stupid, unnecessary tackles, and yeah. I, yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Um, how about Gabriel Jesus, fan of fan of his, given that yeah. uh, that he's he just keeps scoring against Everton. Yeah, and I think he's really starting to come into his own now because he's getting more games. Obviously, I know Aguero's been missing for the last few weeks, so you know it's been a good opportunity for him to step into that position, and I think he's been brilliant. I think he looks a lot more confident on the ball. You know, he's—I don't know—he just—he just seems to be getting in more space and making, you know, making more of a nuisance of himself. Really, and I think he's doing really well. Just think, it's going to be one of them though. When Aguero does come back, is he going he's to go back to again, the bench? And yeah. it's like, you know, it would it would be nice to see them both to play together? But that's not how Pep runs things. So, two great finishes, Paul. Um, could have had more in that game. I thought, in terms of someone who was leading the line. Chasing down the opposition, getting himself like making a nuisance of himself, as Katie said, getting the ball with his back to goal, holding it up, bringing other players in, and actually getting shots away. I think that's one of his best performances against Everton. I think so. I think, uh, and obviously, he's playing against a six foot five defender as well, and he's still kind of he was so strong against him. I think one of the underrated parts of his game is he does hold the ball up really well. I think he's built up a lot this year, but the way he brings players in is better than Aguero, like in, in, in my in my view. So yeah, I think that was probably his best game, but you could just see how hungry and desperate he is on his, his face. He's like obsessed with scoring. You can just tell he knows it. He's, he knows exactly what you're saying. Aguero's coming in the next game. He knows he needs to he needs to fill in and, and, and put in a good performance. But he's, he's one of them that 
has been clearly worth the buy. Yeah, he's not become this like world class sort of star, star that we, we we wanted, but I think he will do with games. So and he, he played Aguero and um, Jesus together, didn't he, early in the season? So we don't know if that could be an option at some point. <laughs> Now then, Sheffield United became the 26th different team that Pep Guardiola has beaten in the Premier League as the manager became the quickest head coach to 100 wins in the competition. And I've been looking at the numbers behind that remarkable run. It took Arsene Wenger 179 games to do it. Sir Alex Ferguson needed 162 and Jurgen Klopp 159. Jose Mourinho was quicker but he still took 142 matches, while Pep Guardiola made it to a century of Premier League wins in just 134. The first was his opening match, a 2-1 victory over Sunderland in August 2016. The speed was perfect. I said many times from the beginning of the season I saw many, many good things about the team, about the spirit. That's why I'm so pleased, because we have to build something from that. That is the first step. Three years and three months later, the manager has made it a century, with Sheffield United one of three teams on the list that have suffered only one defeat to his city side. The team in the last three, four years was incredible. Football you can lose and you can win, and we had a lot of injury important players in this season, but uh, today was incredible tough game for the fact, the opening for the fact we played less than 48 hours, especially 44 hours with two hours by bus after the game. Aston Villa earlier this season are one of the others to lose their first and only match against Guardiola. I'm not concerned about the table, I'm concerned the, all the time and the, the way we played and if we play in the level we play the second half we can be there. Until the end of the season, I'm sure of that. If we play like we play in the first half, so we will be far away from the leading for the table. In fact, of the three teams that Guardiola has only beaten once, Wolves are the only one he's faced a number of times. In their four Premier League games against him, they have two wins and a draw. Guardiola's only victory came at the Etihad after Willy Bolly was sent off. The game against 11 against 11 uh, was quite similar to the 11 against 10. We make a fantastic first goal for the action, for the moment, for the pass, for the finishing, for everything. And after that, we, we forgot to look more the box. So we arrived in the final third quite easy, but after that, we didn't, we didn't make a movement to, to attack the goal. You can see how he's become the quickest manager to 100 Premier League wins if that's his attitude after his side have just seen a game out 3 0. And while some teams have been hard for him to beat, others just haven't. Step forward Watford, West Ham, and Bournemouth. For each of them, it's played seven, lost seven in the Premier League to Guardiola's City. And in those 21 games, City have managed 71 goals. The standout was an 8-0 thumping of Watford earlier this year. When you shoot the first five shoots in target, the five goals, when I like the most is the fact the second half, normally one after five zero in the half time, the second half always is boring, is uh, everyone to do what they want, and we did completely the opposite, so we, we took seriously. But Watford were also thumped 5-0 on the final day of Guardiola's first season. From the beginning, see, they want to win, so it was in our hands, not depend Anfield happened or Emirates happened, so always the last game of the season when you play for something it's always complicated but uh, we show many many good things we are so happy and Watford were thumped 6-0 when Guardiola went back to Vicarage Road next time we played really good but of course the result is so important but the way we played I'm delighted I'm so happy for the players the way the way we played since the beginning since the beginning we saw we were there that run also doesn't include the 6-0 thumping in the FA Cup final it was a total of 29 goals against Watford in the Premier League. That's the most against any team that Guardiola has faced. West Ham, though, aren't far behind. They've let in 23 in Premier League defeats to Guardiola City. I cannot deny it. I'm so delighted for 0-5 and away, first game playing. We, we finished with 14 games in a row winning last season in the Premier League. is one more, 15 now in Bitten, so it's good. It's good. That was after the biggest of his wins against West Ham, 5-0 on the opening day of this season. But there were also a couple of 4-0s and a 4-1 at the London Stadium as well. 
Guardiola mentioned there that this match made it 15 Premier League wins on the bounce. His longest run is 18. That's from a 2-1 success at Bournemouth in August 2017, right the way up to a 1-0 win at Newcastle in December of that year. It was also the record for consecutive away wins in the Premier League as well. Of course it's tough because it's the Premier League and everybody says the Premier League is so tough, the toughest one. So of course we are so happy to, to break it. Of course we know that uh, we have one more, one more, but... Uh, when we prepare the games, we don't mention, we don't speak about the records, we speak about what you have to do to win the games. And win the games City have done. In Guardiola's 100 Premier League wins, they've scored 299 times, letting in just 49. The most common scoreline has been 3-1, with that happening 20 times in the 100, though there have been 18 2-1 wins as well. There were 52 clean sheets. Sergio Aguero has scored the bulk of the goals, he's scored 64 of them, and he's closely followed by Raheem Sterling on 48 and Gabriel Jesus on 32. And there's one stat that sums up just what an achievement this is for the City boss. Since he's arrived, Guardiola has won 30 more matches in the Premier League than Manchester United. Hi, Colin Hendry, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. A look there at Guardiola's 100 Premier League wins. Uh, Katie, when Guardiola took over, did you have did you ever expect to see what you've seen in the last two years, even knowing how good Guardiola was as a coach? Yeah, because I knew from seeing him at Barcelona and Bayern Munich that you can just make it work with whoever he's got and... You know, the players he's brought in, he's he's building a solid foundation that will obviously last for years after he's left City. Um, yeah, I, I, I knew that getting him, we were, you know, we were going to have something special. Was there ever any doubt, Paul, at the start, when, when his first season wasn't quite going to plan? Did you ever at any point think, oh God, City have broken him? Do you know, do you know what I mean? I think there was a bit. I was a bit concerned at the start of um, his first season because of the fact that I felt like he was persisting with something that just wasn't working, but I think that was mainly because of the personnel we had. In previous podcasts at the end of the season before he joined, we knew how much investment there needed to be in the squad, despite the fact it was such an expensive squad. There was a lot of players coming towards the end of the contracts that weren't quite performing, that needed to be changed. So I feel like he didn't have the players to do what he wanted to do in that first year, and that was kind of me saying, you know, he's got the goodwill of, you know, everything at Barcelona, at Bayern Munich, and the, the football he wants to play for for him to do that, and uh, and and kind of it did pay off. Paid off late, quite spectacularly in, in the second the season. season yeah, in the second season, yeah. I mean, I mean, so I didn't I didn't have doubts because I knew we didn't have the strongest squad at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of how he's changed the game in England, Katie. I mean, I I, I don't I don't think I ever expected to see a team get a hundred points, let alone then follow that up with a season where they were just too short of doing it again. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it's just insane those numbers. Yeah, it's crazy, absolutely crazy, and I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. To be honest, in the Premier League, and you know, I can't really blame us for being a little bit tired this season, and you know, we, we've just smashed two seasons and done like absolutely amazing so missing you know, key players as well yeah yeah so you know it, it's sometimes you just got to sit back and think oh my god like what what we've done these last few years and it's just amazing what's the best game it's got to be liverpool last season when yeah. we beat him at home that's my that's my pick as well i just think that the way that city went into that game needing to win and yeah. the way they controlled that game for everything but 10 minutes when liverpool scored they were just, it was an absolute show of control. Yeah, and the atmosphere was just amazing in the stadium. Just, it was just, it felt like, you know, yeah, like back in the day, you felt like, you know, the fans were back, were, you know, enjoying it. And yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. Paul, the, he's going to leave at some point. Um, yeah. Do you ever, are you scared of what comes next? Because <laughs> it, it surely can't be as good as it, as it has been. Um, I think so. Uh, he, he said he wants to stay, though, doesn't he? So get get that contract in front of him. I think so. Well, yeah, yeah. I think as long as he's enjoying it, I don't see where he he would want to go. I mean, he could go to another another league, but he's kind of done the main sort of big leagues. So Italy, maybe, maybe. But as long as he's got a challenge, and I think the fact that we've not won the Champions League, I think that will keep him here. So you don't want City to win the Champions League? Just get that on on record. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I want to keep him here, but I feel like with with Pep, I feel like there'll be. 
a good succession. I think the fact that Arteta's gone might ruin that, but I feel like there will be a succession. I think they'll have someone lined up. If, yeah. I think they'll know well in advance um, when that happens. The one thing, I mean, in fairness to him, the one thing he has been, he's, he's, he's fairly clear about his intentions, isn't he? He's, he's, the, the, the key is that he tends to finish his contracts. So it's probably the end of next season at the very earliest. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, the, the other thing is, despite everything achieved at Barcelona, I think he said the pressure in the media there was 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 horrific. I don't think the media's too bad towards. He has, he has said, in, in fairness, uh, he, he, when when he's had questions in press conferences about the pressure that he's under, he says, "Guys, you've not you've not. It's nothing compared to to what it was like at Barcelona." So he's so I, I, that does kind of bode well, if you know what I mean. He's, he's yeah. he, he certainly feels like he's enjoying life, if nothing else. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's hope he let's hope he stays then. <laughs> Now then, City play Port Vale in the FA Cup this weekend, and it's the first time the sides have met since October 1999 in the old Division 1, now the Championship. It's probably fair to say that things have changed quite a bit for both teams. So to help us get the lowdown on the current Port Vale side, we're now joined by Rob Fielding from the onevalefan.co.uk website. Rob, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Um, so yeah, first off, uh, currently 10th in, uh, in League 2. Um, how's, how's this season going for you? Um, it's been a really good season for us so far. Um, we've had a few sort of tumultuous seasons. We've had flirtations with going out of the league. Uh, we've had some pretty controversial owners. And uh, we've got new owners in who came in in the summer. Um, they're Vale fans. They want to see the club progress and they want to stay with us long term. And uh, I think we were just expecting stability this season. But we're actually looking at the upper side of the table rather than looking at the relegation spots. So, uh we're quietly happy with what we're doing at the moment. And obviously this tie is a, is a massive bonus for us. It's a, it's a real glamour tie and um, something we didn't really expect. Well, I was going to say, what, what does an FA Cup tie at the Etihad mean for, for Vale and the fans for this season? Um, I have to give you a little bit of a personal perspective here because um, it's my birthday on Sunday. And my birthday always comes around about FA Cup third round day. And as a, a team that's always been in the lower leagues, it, that's always the round where you can get the glamour tie. So this is a big weekend for myself. And I think I'm fairly typical of Vale fans and thinking, well, we've got nothing to lose here. We can walk away with quite a lot of money, which will help us next season. We could walk away with a massive shock that will get us all over the newspapers. Or we can just hopefully hold our heads and, and come away with it defeated, but with money in the bank. Excellent. I mean, Katie, for, for City, it's been actually weirdly quite a while. I know everyone's talked about how good City's cup draws have been recently, but it's only last season where they were where they felt quite good. It's been it's been a while since City have actually played a League Two side. Um, what do you, how do you think Guardiola's going to approach this one? Um, well, I don't think he's going to play a weak team. Um, I think he'll he'll go in pretty strong, um, but I do think he'll bring in a couple of the younger younger lads, so like Garcia and Howard Bellis. Um, just because I think you know they played they played well uh, a few weeks ago um, when they played together, um, but I also think he will play some experienced players as well. So I do think Sterling will play because he didn't play much on um, yesterday. On wasn't New it? Year's Day, yeah. I say Sunday then. <laughs> it's that time of up. year. We don't know what day it is. It's all right. Yeah, so I think I think he'll play Sterling. Um, possibly might even get Aguero in because he's he's still coming back from fitness, um, and it would also be really nice to see Foden as well because he was brilliant yesterday. Rob, when you hear names like that that could play in an FA Cup tie, what what's your immediate thought? Um, it's a bit worrying because our, our Christmas fixtures included shipping two goals to Macclesfield Town. So it's a little bit of a step up in quality of opposition for us, to be honest. Um, I'm, I, I do think, I mean, the, the one thing I am quite interested about is, uh, as I know your defence is... Uh, is pretty hit by injuries and 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 doesn't have much experience in it. And we do boast one of the one of the lower league's most experienced strikers in Tom Pope. And I do think that, yeah, we're worried about facing your forwards. But equally, I do I do think there's a there's a goal threat there from the Vale. It probably isn't enough to to win the game unless it's an absolute miracle. To be perfectly honest, but I do think that uh, they'll get a, a rude awakening from the, the the lower league target man type. Well, uh, Paul, I was going to say, I, w- I w- didn't want to throw straight to City's defence on this one, but the chances are Claudio Bravo is going to be in goal. Um, you know, the, the defence has been hit by injuries this season. It looks if you put them under a bit of pressure, then you, you can grab a goal. Does that make you nervous, even though like there's the three divisions between the sides? I'm less nervous now because I feel like, because we control games, I think the amount of possession we'll have will create enough chances against Port Vale. And even if we make some defensive mistakes, I feel like we'll out. It's almost going back to the Kevin Keegan of we'll outscore <laughs> you type, type mentality. So 
I'm, I'm not con- not concerned. I think the defense was a little bit better against Everton um, recently. Until Bravo until played Bravo, it straight to uh, until Bravo did a you know did a trick and then did as he does. played it out to the uh, to the opposition. So um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I'm, I'm not as concerned. But I agree, um, it'll be different for Fernandinho or, or whoever plays to have something different to, to sort of defend against. Do you get nervous of upsets in general now? That because because I mean like not necessarily for this weekend, but whenever City draw a lower league side, it is a story if City are knocked out of the FA Cup by a by a team in a division below, in two divisions below. So this, this, it would be a big scalp. Yeah, I mean, obviously as well for for form as well. If we play quite a strong team and you know. The result doesn't go that way. That is that is concern, but I'm I'm not worrying about it because there's nothing to worry about at the moment. If if we go down to one nil and ten men, you know, within twenty minutes, then that I might have a different story. But um, I was going to say I was just about to say I'll clip that and save that for next week's show, just in case, you know. Um, Rob, it's uh, it, you know it's it, it's quite a, quite an interesting tie. Who have who have been Vale's standout players this season? Um, we've got quite an interesting side because we've, we we have got a decent youth team for, for our division. Um, we've got a couple of youngsters in there who've come, come through locally, a um, couple of defenders. Um, we've got a very attacking right back called James Gibbons who really started the season on fire and very good going forward, perhaps not quite so good going uh, in the defensive duties. Um, and the manager, John Askey, who's come in from Macclesfield, has changed the formation. We, we, we've been a a very very dour team for a couple of seasons with not really much flair and he's, he's brought in a 4-4-3 um we've got two pacey men alongside the target man so i think if if anybody's going to cause city an upset it's going to be the likes of david worrell who's a, a wide player he scored um in our last game he's full of energy full of pace he's probably odds on at the moment to be our player of the year um He's a typical lower league player and he lacks that sort of consistency that would see him go up a couple of divisions and play there. But, you know, on his day, he could beat anybody. Do you, uh, are you, do you go into these games kind of, kind of thinking, you know what, you know, never say never? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, as, as I said, this, this weekend over the years has been my weekend, my birthday weekend. I've, I've, I've been to games. I've been to see us play West Ham in the 80s and we got absolutely hammered 4-0. I've been to see us play the likes of Spurs. We beat Spurs when they were the FA Cup holders. If that, if that might be a little bit of an omen for you there. <laughs> and we, we, we beat Everton in 1996 when they were also the FA Cup holders. And there's another little omen for you. So uh, we've got a decent record against FA Cup holders. Oh, so don't don't do this to us. Don't do this to us, Rob. Please don't. <laughs> Um, now then, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna spring a little surprise on you all uh, because uh, Paul's pulling his face because he knows that I love a little quiz. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have a quick quiz. It's time for the City versus Port Vale surprise quiz. The good news is uh, for, for for you two is that you can work together as a team on the City questions. Um, but I suppose the good news for you, Rob, is that because it's about City against Port Vale. Um, I reckon these two were probably about seven, eight last time City played Port Vale. <laughs> I'm, I'm just guessing. I, I uh, you know, we're talking '99, 2000 or so. Five. Five. <laughs> Paul, any any, uh, any advance on five? Uh, eight. So, uh, so I, my money's on you, Rob. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, well, I, well, I was I was there at a game in 1991 when we played Man City. That shows how old I am. Oh, I, I don't mean to do that to you, but you know, uh, but but uh, I, I suspect you might have a better chance than these two on these questions. Um, as our guest, would you like to go first or second? Um, I'll go first, please. Okay. So, uh, question one: uh, Who was the last Port Vale player to score a winning goal against City? A winning goal. Um, I think that's probably Tony Naylor. Close, but no cigar. You're thinking in uh, March 1998? Uh, Ian Bogey? No, it was Gareth Ainsworth. Ah. Gareth Ainsworth, uh, which I can't say anything about the goal, but I can tell you that I was probably at that game. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you two guys, you can work together as a team. Uh, question one, who was the last City player to score a winning goal over Port Vale? So, 99 was the last game. 99 was the last game. Let's see. Have a guess, because you're not, you're not going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Dickov. Paul Dickov. No, do you want to go again? You're not going to get Gota. it. Gota. No, it wasn't, wasn't Sean Gota. Tony Vaughan. Tony Vaughan. No, it wasn't him. Players. Um, I don't know. Paolo one shot. No, you, you're never going to get it. It was Danny Granville. Scored uh, in, a, in a 2-1 win at, uh, at Vale Park. Uh, so, uh, still nil-nil. Rob, uh, question two. Which former City and Port Vale goalkeeper was given an MBE in 2002 for services to young people? 
Um, that was Alex Williams, who I've seen play for the Vale. It was indeed Alex Williams, who uh, I think uh, City and Port Vale were his only two clubs that he, uh, that he wasn't on loan to. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, there's a goal. 1-0 to, uh, to Rob. Uh, question two for you two guys. Uh, and you might need to digest this one. It's a bit of a wordy one. Um, which City player thought he scored his first ever goal for the club on his league debut, which was away at Port Vale in 1999, but it was given as an own goal? He then had to wait more than two years for his first. Two years for his first goal for City? Yes. Against a different opposition? Against any opposition. Right, okay. So someone playing between 1999 and 2001? Yes. I can right. say his first goal probably, was in 2002. Probably wasn't a striker then. No, probably a defender, wasn't it? Um... Um, I can't even think. She was going a wild guess and hope for the best. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, have a guess if you want. I can. What Steve I can tell you, what Steve I can tell you, is that um, Joe Royal was the manager for the Port Vale game, and Kevin Keegan was the manager for his first goal. I'm gonna have to push you. Let's have a name. Ali Benabia, no. Sean Wright Phillips, guys. Sean Wright Phillips. God, it was that long ago. That long, yes. Oh, no. So, uh, so Rob, if you get this, you'll win. Um, who scored Port Vale's last goal at Main Road? Um, I think I'm going to go back to my previous answer. I think that was Tony Naylor. I was close again, but it was Martin Foyle. Oh. <laughs> That was a 2-1 defeat for uh, for Vale in October 99. That was the uh, that was the last meeting between the sides. So uh, you guys need this one to equalise. Don't let the side down. Is all I'm going to say. Uh, who scored City's last goal against Port Vale at Main Road? The children aren't going to get it. I don't think Rob. You want to go Paul Dick off? Yeah. Congratulations, guys! It's a one-nil win for Rob because it was well Ian. B- it was Ian Bishop. Well oh, done. No. There you go. I think what we've discovered there is that uh, that football is the winner. Somehow, I don't know. <laughs> Check out exclusive city interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Now then, Rob, before we let you go, uh, I just want to get a, a quick score prediction for, for the game on uh, on Saturday. Well, I thought you'd ask me this. Um, I think, the, as I said, I think the Vale are going to get a goal. Um, unfortunately, I'm not quite sure how many City are going to score. Hopefully less than double figures. So... Um, I'm going to go for a face-saving 3-1 win for City. A 3-1 uh, win for City. So uh, we'll uh, we'll do that on our charity bet a bit later on. And uh, yeah, we'll get back to you with, uh, with with what the odds were for that. But Rob, thank you very much uh, for joining us on this week's show. Thank you. Rob Fielding from the OneValeFan.co.uk website. Now there's another game to uh, to look ahead to, the League Cup game in uh, at, at Old Trafford for uh, for City. Um, after losing the derby a few weeks ago, Paul, how does how does this one take in? Does it does this one have any extra uh, extra significance about it now? Uh, not really. It's a bit of a inconvenience, really. I think drawing United. I mean, you're playing once in a cup competition. It's not as bad, but the fact that it's two legs is a bit more, you know. The fact it's two legs just makes it a bit more of a kind of badly timed sort of time fixture, really. I think it would be good to to beat them, but it's not as if they're flying high and they've done really well since they beat City. It's not. It's not like that. I think they just they just pulled out a great performance against City when they needed to. So um, no, really. Does that fire City up though more for this game, or is it the fact that it's a League Cup means that there'll be rotation, so it doesn't quite have the same effect? I think it'll be a bit. Diluted. I think everyone will still be nervous. It'll be a big game. Obviously, we're away as well for the, for the first leg. So, and the players coming in, it could be their first derby for some of them. It could be. Um, it's a good opportunity for them to sort of prove it. It's still a, com- a big competition and that we want to win. So, I think it'll still have a, a bite to it, but I just don't think it's going to be quite as um, significant. I don't think as across, across the fan yeah. base. So I think just because. There's two legs. It's a weird one, I think, this week because, it, in, in a strange way, we we know, for instance, that that Guardiola is going to rotate his team a little bit, and they'll, you know he'll put a few players in here and there. Um, but he hasn't actually got that many players to put in. No. He, the squad isn't actually as deep as people seem to think it is. No, we've still got quite a few injuries. Like obviously Laporte's back in training, but he's not fully training with the squad now. I'm going to go out on a limb um, and say he won't play on uh, in either of these two games. No, I don't think he'll. <laughs> I don't think he'll play him. Um, we've just we've just got a look ahead really and just you know make sure we play our best players and I don't know it is a league cup semi-final I don't know like you know you sometimes play some of the younger kids but I do think we need to go into this first game away especially with a strong team 
It's, um, it's weird how the tables have turned as well, because, I mean, think about you, you said in the Patreon show that you were at the Old Trafford derby for the League Cup semi-final the, in, uh, in 2009 10 It's 10 years since that, that game had happened. And yet... You don't. I, I'm getting the, the impression most City fans aren't really that scared of of the fact that it's a Manchester derby in this stage. And think how you were ten years ago. Well, I've seen us like how many times we've won at Old Trafford, like quite a lot, quite a lot of times since since that that game. And yeah, I was I was there at the game, and it was it's my first time at Old Trafford. I'd never been, and it was it was heartbreaking really to lose it the way we did. But I just remember turning to this guy who this big beefy fella um started crying and I literally went over to him and just put my arm around him and just said right you know everything's going to be fine we're going <laughs> to win you know we'll win more just you know keep going really and I always think I always think about that every time we beat United because I think I wonder what he thinks now and I've got a hunch you know that City's record at Old Trafford against United is better than City's record at the Etihad against United in the last decade I think they've done better away than they have at home yeah well I, I'm trying to think of the last time we lost at Old Trafford was it I think it was Pellegrini four two. Yeah, it was. I think I think it was. Yeah, because the last few seasons we've won or we've drawn, haven't we? Yeah, I think I, I think Pep's won every time there, apart from oh no, we lost in the League Cup actually we a lost, couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, and I was there. Um, so that's <laughs> I'm, I've got a ban on Old Trafford now. You go, are you going this this week? <laughs> no, good, good. I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to tempt fate. <laughs> Paul, are you are you as nervous for derbies these days? Uh, no, I mean. The loss, the loss early in the season was a big sort of shock, and I think it was the quality of their play that was 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 more of a shock. However, I just remember the the dread of being up against Tevez, Ronaldo, and Rooney. There was just kind of that um, air of invincibility that they had, didn't they? Obviously, they had Fergie, they had the you know the referees on their side as well. <laughs> Joking, <laughs> <laughs> they had they had everything on their side. The wait momentum, till wait till after Tuesday night before sort, you make that joke. The, the sort of um, Backing that you know the, the confidence that they've been here before, they've done this, and they're playing a team that hasn't done this. That's kind of gone away a little bit. I feel the thing is though, Katie, from what we've seen this season, Solskjaer's United are are comical at times, but they also they seem to do well against teams that are bigger than them. So that's yeah. quite dangerous for City because it's undoubted who's the bigger side, bigger side now. Yeah, well, Liverpool drop points. That their only game this season that they dropped points in was at Old Trafford, weren't it? And even watching that game, I thought United could have could have beaten them. It was only have done, that yeah, it was, yeah. mess up in the last minute. Milano got him, but I I don't know. I just I do feel like they do t- they do t- tend to turn up against against the big boys. Didn't really so much yesterday against Arsenal. Um, I thought Arsenal were the better team, but like I don't know. I just I feel like we our players. I wouldn't say disrespect United a little bit, but they look at them as if to say like we're you know we're better than you. Um, and I just think we need to stop that and just, you know... Just focus on it focus on getting the and result. get on with it, yeah. So I think seven or eight years ago, the, the dread was in the fact that they just unquestionably were a better team and we'd have to be 100% on our day at the top of our game to beat them. Whereas whereas now, our team, just it just is better. There's kind of more pressure that comes with that, but there was more dread because of the fact that we knew they had these weapons and they were a better team than us, whereas now it's kind of... It's, it's City that got the better team. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's kind of as basic as that, as that really. Final question on the on the derby. Katie, the the ticket allocation story, um, the fact that both clubs have agreed a reduced allocation for away fans without consulting, first off, the fans, because of the risk of, or, or, or they say it will reduce the risk of violence. Um, how does that make you feel as a, as a fan who goes to games? I think it's quite disappointing, really, because, you know, in the in the Cup, you get more of an allocation. And like I've been to Old Trafford twice and it's a great atmosphere with the away fans. And, you know, it, it's great to be here. But, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's naughty, really, that they've not even considered us. But all they tend to care about is more money. And obviously they'll get they'll get more United fans in. Um, but I'd read online that, Via GoGo had um, an absolute like load of tickets in bulk, so you could buy like twenty tickets in the United end in bulk. Um, but like the, it was through the and for City as well, it was through the City official ticketing, and it's like, well, how? How's this happened? How's this yeah. happened? Yeah, Paul, as someone who I mean, you, you go to a fair few games. You've been to Old Trafford, I think, as well, and in in your in your uh, supporting life, as as someone who 
isn't necessarily first in line to get tickets when cup games like this come around. If you if there's a reduced allocation, you've got less chance of getting a ticket. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems a bit strange um, to have agreed that without con- consulting both sets of fans, really. Um, so yeah, League Cup cup games often are a good chance for people that aren't regular season ticket holders to get get to get chances just to go to a games, particularly derby. So it is a bit of a shame, really. Um, but you know, what can you do? Well, we can moan about it on a podcast trade, is trade, what we can trade, do. <laughs> yeah. um, right, let's get some predictions on the board. And just like City on the pitch, we've found our form on the charity bet this week. First, Richard Burns won 80 quid for his correct 2-0 prediction for the Sheffield United game. And then I won £85 for correctly predicting a 2-1 win over Everton. And that takes the total raised for this season to £595. All the money is going to the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester, courtesy of our £10 correct score singles with William Hill. Two more games this week. Uh, starting off with uh, Port Vale. Paul, what have you, uh, what have you gone for? this one i'm going to say three nil to city three nil to city is 11 to one so if you're right it'll be 110 quid um and for united what are you having uh i'm gonna say two one uh two one i assume to city at this at this stage yep uh is uh, seven to one and 70 pounds if you're right one, uh, katie portvale what are you having i think four one four one we'll it, yeah it's ten to one so 100 pounds if you're right and uh and for united I think it'd be tough, but I think we'll win 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil win is 7-1, yeah. uh, just like Paul, so 70 quid. Um, as we heard earlier on, uh, Rob went for a 3-1 win for City against Port Vale, which is 12-1 to one and £120. And then for the United game, I've gone for a one all draw in the first leg. I think rotation and, and pressure on the game, I think City will, will just about do enough to bring the result back to, to the Etihad and, and finish the job there. Uh, that's 11-2 to two and £55, if I'm right. Uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, check out begambleaware.org. <laughs> Each month on the podcast, we're taking a look back at how we reacted on the show to each of City's last 10 seasons to reflect on the decade that's just been. This week, Rob Wilson is taking us back to Manuel Pellegrini's second season at the Etihad, 2014-15. With the second Premier League title secured, Manchester City went into the 2014-15 season eager to avoid the mistakes they made when attempting to defend their first title. Their first step was to ensure the summer was a comfortable one, and on paper it seemed that way. Club legend Micah Richards left after 12 years, while Jolien Lescott, Gareth Barry and Costo Pantilimon also moved on. Replacing them were Bakary Sanya, who arrived on a free transfer from Arsenal, Brazilian midfielder Fernando, French defender Elia Mangala, goalkeeper Willy Caballero and former Chelsea midfielder Frank Lampard. City began the season with a heavy defeat in the Community Shield, losing 3-0 to Arsenal at Wembley. But normal service was resumed the following week, with new signing Fernando playing a crucial role in the 2-0 win over Newcastle. A confident 3-1 victory against Liverpool had City fans dreaming of another title, but they would come down to earth with a bump just five days later. A 1-0 home defeat to Stoke City felt like a shock at the time, and in the studio, Rob Pollard had nothing but admiration for the way the visitors had applied themselves. They have come and done a bit of a number on us, and, and sometimes you have to not hold your hands up and accept it. That sounds submissive and defeatist and whatnot, but just say, you know what, they sort of stopped us playing a little bit. City would then drop more points in their third home game of the season, this time against Chelsea. But new signing Frank Lampard would rescue a one-all draw in dramatic style against his former side. It's a typical Frank Lampard goal, but it's come against Chelsea. After a 1-0 win in the Manchester derby in November, City climbed back up to third following some inconsistent form in the league. Richard Burns was pleased with the way City wrestled back control against Louis van Gaal's Reds after struggling to do so in other games up to that point in the season. I've said before that City have an issue at the moment wrestling momentum back in games once it starts to go against them. I still believe that's true. I don't think it was necessarily as much a problem against United but it is. I think it's natural to expect that when you've got a one-goal lead you are going to have to concede a bit of momentum at the end if you're against a half-decent team. City had also endured a tough start to life in the Champions League in 2014. With no wins in their first four group games, Pellegrini's men faced off against Pep Guardiola's Bayern Munich once again. And just as they had in the previous season, City fought back from behind to take the points in dramatic style and keep their Champions League hopes alive. Aguero has done it! A hat-trick for Sergio Aguero! Man 
Manchester City saviour again! The result meant a win away to Roma would be enough to see City qualify for the knockout stages for the second time in two years. Crucial goals from Samir Nasri and Pablo Zabaleta inspired the side to a 2-0 win they needed and Richard Burns was eager to look forward. The end goal of the group is to qualify from it and they've done that so we can forget the first four games now. They weren't, they weren't particularly good and we can't look back on them with rose-tinted glasses and suddenly pretend that they were brilliant but we've achieved the end goal and that has to give the team confidence. We've finally seen the performance from them in Rome that we've been waiting for for four years to prove that they get the Champions League. Qualifying for the knockout rounds couldn't stop City's title defence from faltering, however. With a chance to pull within a point of leaders Chelsea, the opportunity was squandered by a fight back from newly promoted Burnley. City gave up a two-goal lead in the second half and an impressive run which had seen them win eight games on the bounce was ended. A month later and City's journey in the FA Cup was over almost as quickly as it began. Championship side Middlesbrough shocked the defending Premier League champions with a 2-0 win. Sam Roscoe was concerned about City's lack of fight. Look at when they went 1-0 down against Arsenal, when they went 1-0 down against Middlesbrough, there was no cutting edge to sort of get one back. There was no desire in that midfield you know, to sort of spring into attack and stuff like that to put the pressure on the opposition. In the first few weeks of the new year, City's form only got worse. Four consecutive away defeats to Liverpool, Burnley, Crystal Palace and Manchester United, as well as another Champions League exit to Barcelona, left many fans questioning whether the club had made adequate progress since 2013. The short answer for some was no. Moyes had a better record in his last 15 games than Pellegrini has currently with his 15. But there's still something that says it's not guaranteed. I mean, I would be surprised now. If you'd asked me a couple of weeks ago, I was sort of of the mind that he would be at City at the start of next season. I would be surprised now if he was, but not massively. Six wins on the bounce in the final stretch of the season did see City finish second, four points ahead of Arsenal in third. Frank Lampard signed off from English football with a goal in a 2-0 win over Southampton on the final day, and Sergio Aguero did win the Golden Boot with 26 goals. Jonathan Smith sang the praises of City star men in the studio. Looking at the recent Player of the, Player of the Year votes, and I mean, certainly he should be in the Team of the Year. He didn't even get nominated for Player of the Year, and it, in my, it, to my mind, it, he's got to be very close to winning it. Actually, it, it's strange that he's, he has been overlooked. Despite a positive end to the season, early exits in all three cup competitions, and another limp defence of the Premier League title left many fans feeling disappointed. The reaction showed that the mentality had certainly changed and Pellegrini's job was in question. But the end of the season, combined with the behind-the-scenes knowledge of City's future managerial moves, meant he would be given the chance to improve the following campaign. And I'm sorry I left, but it was for the best, though it never felt right. Hi, this is Nader Manuha, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Rob Wilson there with a look at 2014-15. Uh, now it's time to finish with Ask the Panel. Get your questions in for next week at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter. You can email through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. We're on Instagram as well, so go and search for Blue Moon Podcast on there and you can see some of our lovely selfies from the studio. Ben Aspinall on the emails asks, who in your opinion are City's biggest transfer mistakes, both in and out, over the past decade and why? For me, selling Dzeko was a mistake as he scored some big goals for us and was a natural finisher, something we missed when Aguero has been injured. And going the other way around would be signing Rodwell, nowhere near good enough for City and was a panic buy at the time. So uh, biggest mistakes in and out, who are you going for? But Mangala was... Uh... I knew you'd go there straight away. <laughs> it was 35 million, was it? And I mean, um, a bit more than great, that, I think. Yeah. Was it? Well, <laughs> I think so. It's great. Can't, can't remember the figure off the top of my head. But well, I think thirty-five five years ago was quite a lot, though. I think wasn't it? Yeah. But I, think, I remember seeing this sort of uh, the write-up, and it was a great ball-playing left-footed centre half. And you think that is not what we got in in any way. <laughs> maybe a bit for the uh, Chelsea debut, but otherwise no. Um, in terms of maybe Sancho, I'd like to have seen him have a bit of a longer go. Couldn't, City. couldn't keep hold of him. Yeah. Yeah. So Mangala and. Sancho. Sancho. Katie, any any names? I've got to agree with um, in Jacko because you look back now and you think he was amazing. Like you don't know what you've got till it's gone, really, because he was brilliant and he was there every time you needed him. And you know he scored the goal in the uh, QPR game. You know before Aguero and yeah he was brilliant. But regret, I'd say Wilfred Bonnie because he was. <laughs> 
terrible. It was great for Swansea, but I don't know what happened. It just fell apart when he came to us. and just... I, have, I have to hold my hands up. At the time, I was writing uh, opinion columns for ESPN and I remember I, I remember being really bolshy on that one And when, when they signed him in the January window and said... Uh, the, at the time, they were quite neck and neck with Chelsea that season and they ended up finishing about 10, 15 points off them. Um, but I said, the signing of Wilfred Bonney is the one that tips it over the line in City's favour for this title race this season. And uh, lo and behold, I think that was possibly my worst opinion of yeah. the last 10 years. Yeah, he, I don't know why we signed him, to be it honest. Just, it was similar to the Benjani <laughs> buying, like a panic buy. When it's, it's, yeah. it's January and you think, well, we need to, need to do a little bit more here, so we'll get a player that scored eight or more goals at this point <laughs> in the season. That's literally what it is. It's just feeling like you need to do a bit more. I always felt like Bonnie should have worked at City, he just didn't. Well, it, it's weird because he couldn't do the basics, but then he could pull out like something amazing. And that was, it just was completely inconsistent. Jekyll, on the other hand, I think he probably wanted to move on as much as anything else because he wanted a bit more game time and he wanted to be kind of the first name on the team sheet. But Jekyll was an interesting one because his first touch could go 10 yards or it could be perfect. He was just kind of a bit... But, but best, would score those sort of heavy goals. I think the sale of Jekyll was probably wrong time, but he had to go somewhere. But the best part of that sale was the fact that he didn't go to another Premier League club because if he went to Arsenal or to Chelsea or to, or to Liverpool, then he would have scored about 20 a season because they're teams that could actually cross it rather than just cutting it back all the time. So That's that's the worry with uh, Jesus. The rumour is that he's uh, he, he's looking to move on because of the amount of game time he's getting. Obviously, he's behind Aguero, as we talked about earlier in the show. Um, but if he were to turn up at another Premier League side, he could be the could be the league's top scorer. I can't I can't, <laughs> I can't see that because what what price would would you sell him for? I think City wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't sell him. So well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, no one's going to pay the price that City want for him because they'll go, well, the evidence is this: he's not playing enough. Whereas City will go, well, he's clearly our succession to Aguero. So yeah, about keeping him happy though, isn't it? I, yeah. yeah, I agree. You can't sell to opposition. Right, well, that's it for this week's Blue Moon podcast and the first one of 2020. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we hope we've been able to provide some light relief to those back-to-work blues after Christmas, if nothing else. If you've enjoyed the show, then please head over to iTunes and give it a rating and review, because it really does help other City fans find us. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, then we've got a Patreon page. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Podcast, and we do bonus shows each week. This week's is a look back at how City have changed in the last decade, and it's available for just $2 a month. You'll get four to five shows for that price each month, and you'll get access to every single other bonus show that we've ever done so it's certainly worth the money special thanks to my guests this week Paul Atherton cheers Moons and Katie Mullock thanks and I'll be back next week to reflect on this week's cup matches see you then take care that was the Blue Moon Podcast Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.